0: Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. Here's your host. So I um, have with me today uh, Dr. Peter Duhamel and Dr. Bill Duhamel. Correct. Correct whom are the sons of Helen Duhamel. And we are very pleased to have both of you t- two brothers together. Uh, and I understand you're the younger brother?
1: Not really.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's but he great. passes that. All right. See, he's a real doctor. He's an MD. And I was a PhD, as my mother said, why weren't you a real doctor like your brother? So... <laughs> <laughs>
0: So the first question is, how would you tell others they can chase their dreams? And what was that like for the two of you with your mother?
2: I'll let Peter go first on that
1: one. Well, she uh, came from a little ranch in Nebraska down near Chadron. Came to Rapid City when she was in high school. And uh, uh, she had two older brothers and an older sister, that uh, actually two older sisters. But the two brothers had both gone to college at the Iowa State University, Iowa State College in those days, and uh, gotten their degrees and were uh, gainfully employed in Omaha. Uh, my mother always thought that she did well on education and she should go to college too and uh, it was her dream to you know to to be educated. And she went down and asked her father at his ranch in Nebraska to uh, finance her college education. And uh, he refused her. He said, so what it's wasted money to educate a woman?" And uh, that was one of her first uh, challenges. So after she graduated from high school, she uh, got a job uh, as a bookkeeper at a local grocery store in Rapid City. Swander's,
2: Swander's Grocery Sa- Store. And that's important because later on to became Swander's Bakery.
0: About where was
2: it? It was, at, uh, uh, quarter, it was at, on the
1: or On 7th Street. 7th,
2: between uh, Main and St. Joseph Street.
1: Where the old, uh, Ben, Franklin, ben Ben Franklin's store used to be. Okay. If anybody can remember that.
2: <laughs> but Swatters are well known for the bakery, but most people don't realize they started the grocery business. They okay. sold the grocery store and then moved into baking.
1: Okay. And she uh, did a lot of educating herself. She read books about... Uh, sure. I think she'd had a bookkeeping course in high school, mm-hmm. but uh, she got books on accounting and... Uh, and all the time that she worked she was studying and reading mm-hmm. and and uh, mm. later on she used to say she didn't go to university but she graduated from the school of hard knocks which is true
2: she's coming through the depression and everything yeah. Yeah. the uh, one thing about the education that was important she always said you can't they can't you can't lose your education right. and she was right. very very mm. education oriented. Mm. And she wanted to show what she could do in spite of not having a college education. Mm-kay. I used to say, Mom, you overachieved. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. the, but the, the show that she did, she paid for her four children all over the college. And oh, together beautiful. they have nine college degrees, the four kids. So she
0: paid for uh, you to tuition. go to college.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Which would have been pretty unusual.
2: Perhaps? I don't don't, know. College was cheap in our day.
0: Well, but relatively speaking, I suppose it's all, you know. uh, uh,
1: I think the colleges we went to were not real cheap. We did not go to public colleges. We
2: went to Jesuit
1: schools. Oh, okay. But the uh and, and they were not cheap even on well, those days I standards. I
2: remember my freshman year the tuition was two hundred and forty dollars a semester. When was
0: your when was your uh tuition?
2: that'd be nineteen fifty five.
0: Yeah, well that was probably <laughs> 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 to the economics, I'm guessing it might be a bit
2: more. Oh, probably yeah. something just for the cost of living. Yeah, but it still was, wow. was reasonable. Yeah. And uh yeah. and then she also paid for her. Thirteen grandchildren wow. to go to college, wow. and
0: uh, that's amazing. And
2: they, the well, I have a handicapped daughter who obviously mm-hmm. did not right. go to school, but right. uh, and so basically, and she just felt that you could not wow. take your lose mm-hmm. your education. education. So if you if you're mm-hmm. educated, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. She believed in it, and part mm-hmm. of the deal was when she paid for the grandchildren. She mm-hmm. said, "My obligation." is to pay for my grandchildren. Oh, okay. By offsetting it, that generation, it wow. makes a significant difference. Wow. And so uh, huh. I had 12 grandchildren that, uh, yeah. the last one is a senior at Georgetown. Oh, wow! Peter went to Georgetown. Great, yeah. But see, the, the one thing about my mother that you really have to understand is what the role of women was mm-hmm. a century ago. You go back you know, She graduated high school just well. When women got the vote, she was uh, in high school. Mm. Yeah. In 1920, and yeah, uh, she, I think she graduated about 1922. Okay. So, so you start from there, and uh, the uh, basically her feeling was that uh, you know that's where the challenge was for a woman to. Succeed in a male-oriented world, and, and yeah,
0: what might people not know about Helen's story for the impact and future of South Dakota? And I think, to a certain degree, you were kind of starting on that. Yeah,
2: basically, that—that's true. The uh, see, first of all, uh, the company was in probably technical with the Great Depression it was in technical bankruptcy. It, it, they didn't declare bankruptcy. They just didn't have the money to mm. pay the mortgage on the building. Okay. And uh,
0: And was this Duhamel Company? or?
2: Duhamel, Duhamel Company.
0: Okay. okay.
2: And uh, so my grandfather, Alex, came to her and said, Helen, we need help at the store and because we don't have the money. Okay. One of the things, uh, and so she went in and she had Peter and Peggy, two small children at the time,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to uh, this was in nineteen thirty-three or so. And uh, she uh, took over the store and she made a lot of changes. She got she sought business advice from business.
0: The, the grocery do him. Right. Du du, company. Yeah, okay. So she,
2: it. she she might this she worked mm-hmm. at the grocery store as a bookkeeper before she was married. Okay. And then after she's married, she basically was a housewife and, uh, okay. and had the two children. Right. And then when the company, okay. the family was in trouble, okay. they, their bank uh, was closed up yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, yeah. the bank paid 97 cents on the dollar to, uh, people who had bank savings there, but the stockholders, which was the New family, lost everything. Oh, and then the, wow. the store was in debt mm-hmm. and they couldn't meet the mortgage.
1: And at that time, there was a very large store that took up the whole building, right. yeah. and it had several departments like plumbing and uh, furniture, they hardware.
2: They had dishes. Yeah. Leather.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, the leather shop is. They were making saddles in the leather shop, and uh, one small part of it was called curios. Mm-hmm. And she eventually leased out the other stores to their managers, actually sold them to the managers, Mm -hmm. and they took over, like, Sewell and Tobin's took over the furniture. Peter Malkin took over the plumbing. Uh, Duhamel's kept the leather store.
2: And they closed the glass shop.
1: Closed the glass shop. The tin Mm -hmm. shop, I think. But the the Curio store eventually became Duhamel's Cowboy and Indian Trading Post.
2: Okay.
1: And... uh, uh, she did all the buying for that store, and this is remarkable because she would go to the big shows, the Men's Apparel Show down in Denver. She'd go to Omaha, Chicago at the Merchandise Mart. She'd even been to New York buying trips and really made a reputation for herself about uh, being a hard bargainer. I'm not going <laughs> to. But uh, 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 when when there's I was a, there's a cone
0: there, uh, isn't there? Uh,
1: uh, When I was bottle? in high school, though, I did go on some buying trips with her, and uh, okay. saw, uh she she was very difficult to bargain with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and one but of the and her
2: credit was excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she took over the the store. In five years, she pulled out of bankruptcy. So by 1937, they were they, the in very difficult yeah.
1: time. Yeah. And one of the things that she bargained for was to get an exclusive. For instance, okay. the only Levi pants that were sold in Rapid City. Rapid City were sold at Duhamel's Trading Post.
0: Was that unusual?
1: Yes. She had an exclusive
2: she, on Pendleton's. Uh, the, 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 wool, the blankets? The, the blankets and the clothing in right, right. Rapid City. Okay, she okay. had the only F.L. Thorpe Black Hills uh-huh. jewelry
1: in Rapid City. The only Stetson hats. Wow. And, uh, How it, did she
0: know to do that, do you think? Uh, well, she It's, took advice.
1: it's called marketing. <laughs> <laughs> and took advice? Yeah, no. Uh, she, she would uh-huh. buy things in large quantity. And, oh, okay, sure. Uh, and uh, so then, so, and she, then make them. It sold uh, though, and the and, and credit
2: was good. She paid cred. within ten oh, okay. days because she got okay. the two percent discount. Ten oh. days, and and her reputation in the thirties mm. was very good financially. Mm. Wow. And so they knew if they made a deal with her, they were going to get paid
1: promptly. And uh, okay, uh, a lot of her business was with the local ranchers, and they knew where to come for Levi's. Okay. While they were there, they got fitted for boots. We, I think we had an exclusive on Justin boots. What a... And wow. uh, it, it was... With Stetson Hats. And Stetson hats. hats.
0: So what do you remember about the store from you? Well, P- you I, I right spent
1: there. more time in the store. We uh, Yeah. In, uh, in fact,
2: you tell them a little bit about the store, but then tell them about what
1: you're famous for in the store. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, but uh, all of us working in the store were Western clothes okay. that were sold okay. in the store. Sure. So, so we were like walk-around models, you might say. Of
0: course, still are
1: yeah and uh, uh, at night uh, the store would usually close about nine o'clock but the Elks Theater just a half a block up from us would get out about 845 and people would be leaving the Elks walked by the store in my cowboy outfit I would stand up in the glass front window with my arm around one of the models Uh and uh Uh, uh, and it'd be very still, very quiet.
2: You'd still for a half hour. Wow.
1: And, uh, you know, people would come and they'd look and they'd look again and maybe I'd wink. (laughs) Or or, or
2: if a pretty girl would come through the front door because he'd be standing by the front door, the model, and and he'd say something to her and she'd look around. There's nobody there, just these dummies.
1: But it it did attract a little bit of business that the store would would stay open a little bit after (laughs) 9 o'clock. In uh,
2: fact, for a while, people would sit on the car fenders in front to watch him him as as the people came by as he was doing his deal The
1: (laughs) Uh, the other thing that used to attract people in after supper, uh, uh, back in the days when we had the Sioux Indian pageant out at Sitting Bull,
2: Crystal
1: Cave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would have a parade, a street parade, downtown every night with the Indians going up Main Street and back down St. Joe Street Mm -hmm. and going right to the entrance Mm -hmm. of the store. And they're in front of the store, right across from the Alex Johnson, where all the tourists were hanging out. They'd dance right there in the street, Uh, Mm -hmm. the 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 drummers and singing. The Indian
2: dances every night. Wow. And okay. and then at the end, they would all go inside.
1: Wow. Yeah, my Uncle Pete. Uh, my dad's brother. My dad's brother was uh, the speaker. I don't know what you want to call him, master of ceremonies. He'd introduce all the Indian dances and mm-hmm. explain them to the people. And then at the end of the dance, he'd bring them into the store. And in the store, we had these panels painted on the... High on the wall, all around, of uh, painted by uh, uh, Godfrey Brokenrope who was a pretty well-known Sioux Indian uh, oh. painter okay. uh, of the Indian story of Custer's last stand. Last stand, and these paintings were from the. Uh, the Indians used to do their recording on the buffalo skins. Mm-hmm. That would be tanned and uh, stretched, and they'd, mm-hmm. and he would explain. Uh, there were like 20 panels, I think, all around the and he'd explain exactly what happened on the mm-hmm. Sioux Indian version of uh, wow. what happened to Custer and his troops.
2: And so, but they also, by coming in, all the tourists that were standing around watching the dances, they said, come in now and hear the Indian story of Custer. What an amazing, and they brought them in.
0: What amazing oral
1: history. And, and then like it, it was stopped right yeah. by the counter that had all of the original wow. Black Hills gold jewelry. And as Bill mentioned, we... Had Not an exclusive, exclusive on on mm-hmm. Thorpe's jewelry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, it was considered the highest quality Black Hills gold jewelry in those days. <laughs> and my father would then also give the story of how gold was discovered in the Black Hills in 1874 on Custer's exploring party, and that started the gold rush to the Black Hills and eventually led to the Custer massacre two years later. Mm-hmm. But he would explain the historical. Uh, finding of the gold and uh, the gold rush that uh, ensued. The,
2: the gold was found down near Custer. French Creek. Okay. But it was uh, under a uh, grape leaf. That's where they found this big nugget. Oh, okay. And that's where the grape leaf pattern oh, came for, for the Black Hills gold.
0: Wow. And remember, there was
2: a federal court case here maybe 30 years ago where somebody in New Mexico wanted to block, manufacture Black Hills gold. And they, they said, no, it had to be manufactured in the Black Hills because this distinctive grape leaf mm-hmm. pattern, mm-hmm. which would been... Yeah. And, and yeah. that was related to the custard.
1: And I always said three colors of gold, the mm-hmm. yellow gold, the yeah. green gold, and the red gold.
0: Wow. You've mentioned a number of things that certainly, you know, the, the 30s and the challenges of financial at that time,
2: and that, being a woman was a being, challenge. And being being a
0: woman, and you know, starting out, having to make her own way. Um, what comes to mind today for you that you would say, "Do not forget this part of Helen's well, story."
1: Well, we've already explained about the uh, the store, the Duhamel Trading Post, right. and Duhamel Company House. She saved it from bankruptcy, mm-hmm. but the third chapter of her life was the radio and television, and okay. Bill can tell more about that.
2: And basically, as Peter said, you know, she was very mar- marketing-oriented. Mm-hmm. And so, and on Thanksgiving night in 1936, KOBH, the first radio station west of the Missouri, was started in Rapid City on, on top of the Alex Johnson right across the street. And so, she decided that she should advertise to help get people in because this was the new novelty was radio. Mm-hmm. During World War II, she bought a minority share in in the Black Hills Broadcasting, which was KOBH. And during the war, they changed the power and they changed the call letters from KOBH, which was called all the Black Hills, mm-hmm. to KOGA, which is the last four letters of CODA. Dakota, oh, yes. so that's where Dakota comes okay. from, and uh, and then but uh, they had a the manager Bob Dean was a tremendous promoter, but he was a very poor financial manager, mm. and the radio towers on south of on Highway seventy nine south of Rapid City, the three radio towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, They hadn't paid taxes to the county for seven years, and Mm. the county was ready to take over. So the shareholders were tired of putting money in, so they had a meeting and decided they are going to sell, and Joe Sample, who later became a good friend of mine, and there's a whole story about Joe Sample we don't have time to get into. Mm. He came in on the train from Chicago and agreed to buy the radio station for $200,000, and then he left, it was in the Alex Johnson, he left the room, and uh, said, uh, you know, my mother's comment was, she said, no, I think the ownership should stay in Rapid City rather than having somebody from Chicago. And she said to the other shareholders who were ready to take the 200,000, mm-hmm. if I paid 50,000 more, 250,000, wow. would you sell it to wow. me? And they said, of course. So they called Joe back in and said that, and Joe said, fine. Mm-hmm. He got on the train, went up to Billings, uh, bought a radio station in Billings, and started what became the Montana Television Network. Okay. And mm-hmm. Joe has got to be dead by now, but uh, he was a good friend of mine later in life, so I knew Joe. Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. then uh, after. Uh, hmm after this, she had the only radio station in Rapid City, and the only one really west of uh, Missouri yes, River. Missouri River. The yeah. uh, only commercial station. The School of Mines did have WCAT, which was, okay. you know, a bunch of engineers, and they had these homemade things. And yeah. So they did have WCAT was on cool. the air earlier. Okay. And... Uh, so they had a meeting of a group of businessmen, there's somebody from the Rap City Journal, somebody from Black Hills Amusement had all most of the theaters in the Black Hills. Mm-hmm. They had a banker, a couple of others, and, mm-hmm. uh, and they called her to come to this meeting, which she was the only woman.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, and, they, and so she walks in, there's about six or eight people in the room, and they're all sitting around this big table, and, and said, uh, what's the purpose of the meeting? And they said, we're forming a group to keep television out of Rapid City oh. because it would hurt the movie theater, it hurt oh. the newspaper and that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, hmm. she looked around the room, stood up and said, if a group this important is against it, it must be a damn good idea. <laughs> and I'm going to do it. And walked out. their <laughs> also open. she walked out, so she called Charlie Whalen up, who was our Washington communications attorney, hmm. and uh, said... Uh, Charlie, I want you to file for a television station. You had to get FCC permission okay. uh, for Rapid City. And Charlie said, Helen, there's nobody in Rapid City. <laughs> I can get you a VHF in Phoenix. I <laughs> said, damn it, Charlie, if I wanted to live in Phoenix, I'd be in Phoenix. No, I went to Rapid City. I always told her, I said, Mom, you should have taken the VHF in Phoenix. Gene Autry bought one in Phoenix, and made a lot of money. On, uh. Uh, but, uh, and, uh, yeah. So she brought television in. Joe Floyd, who's a member of the Hall of Fame, had the first mm-hmm. television station mm-hmm. in South Dakota, and that was in 1953 in Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. And she filed in 1954, mm. and and went, we went on the air Memorial Night, Memorial Day Night, which is May 30th in those days mm. uh, of 1955. Okay, and that, I had okay. just graduated from high school, so television didn't come to Rapid City till after I was out of high school.
1: So. Did you want to say something? I was just going to say, I was in college at the time, uh, yeah. and uh, my mother told me that she wanted to bring a television. and Even in Washington, D.C., television was very new. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that saved television in District of Columbia was the McCarthy hearings. Oh. <laughs> and and oh. everybody watched those oh, live, yeah. and, and that really oh, yeah. was... One of the biggest pushes. At, oh, that uh, was 1954.
2: Because wow. I had rheumatic fever and I remember I was listening yeah. on the radio. Oh,
1: to, yeah. For, for yeah.
0: So, to conclude, um, what's one thing that you uh, miss
1: about your mother? Well, one thing we learned was that uh, you never said no to her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she She pretty well... She was insistent on her way. She was that. Yeah. And, and she gave really good financial advice. In fact, one of the advice, she gave me a lot of advice, but one of them that I remember, if you hire a woman because she's a woman, that's wrong. Hmm. If you hire the best person for the job, about half should be women. Oh. And oh. That, that's the way I operated. Oh. Yeah.
0: That's, that's quite a legacy yeah. to your mother.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just, just so help us that she never went into politics.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great conclusion. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.